is in his bureau. I reckon it'll fetch us enough cash for a good use out of what sure and a little left over besides. Whew. You got some light fingers, Everett. Gopher. You stole from my kin. Who was fixing to betray us. You didn't know that at the time. So I borrowed it till I did know. That don't make no sense. Alright everybody, welcome back to another week of Muskies on Tap. I'm your host, Gus Manti. We got three other co-hosts on here tonight. I will introduce them. We got none other than my brother, Max. We got Brian on the line as well, and our special guest, Clayton Spies. So how are you guys doing tonight? Good. No complaints here. I, uh... A little sad after the weekend. I know I talked a lot of shit after the first uh, Packer game of the season when we whooped up <laughs> on the Bears, but things have unfortunately taken quite the turn uh, for our squad here in Wisconsin. I'm sure all of our Illinois listeners and Minnesota listeners are probably uh, really happy to hear my sad tone on the future of the Packers. Um, not uh, Not exactly sure what's going on over there in Green Bay. Hoping to get some insider scoop from our our resident uh, Green Bay resident over there with Brian, but yeah, it was a it's a good weekend. Um, you know, still not much fishing for me lately, but that's about to change. Luckily, uh, weather has been nice to us ish so far, and looks like it's going to keep everything open. So the next few weekends will be dedicated to uh, chasing a late late fall giant in the northern Wisconsin area, and for that, I am very excited for. Brian, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing great as well. Um, yeah, like Max said, Packers just not even worth watching anymore this year. <laughs> Can't wait to watch them in the draft, though. That's always an event. Uh, shout out the Muskie Hunks crew. Uh, their Steelers put it to us a little bit. Right. Felt like we were watching the toilet bowl, but hey, Steelers might make the playoffs, so can't bang them too much. Uh, but yeah, excited to chop it up a little bit, get a little current condition check from Gus as we'll be up there this weekend. Um, and yeah, excited to hear from Clayton here soon, how his season went and all the exciting things that went down for him. Clayton, how are you tonight? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me on again. Of Absolutely. course. Becoming a regular. Yeah. What appearance is this? Three? I think so. Yep. I love it. I love it. Is that uh, is that now edging out the guru for most appearances on the Muskies on Tap podcast, or is it tied? I can't remember. Tied. I'm pretty sure. Yep. Tied. Yeah. (laughs) Quite the duel. Battle Royale. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll start it off with this. I mean, we got you know a lot of things, a lot of fun things to unpack here with Clayton, but um, you know, you guys just heard from him doing a little recap on the, uh, PMTT championship where him and his partner, Nick took third place. Uh, but we really didn't get a good dive in on, on how Clayton's guiding season went. He was doing it, you know, mostly full time, I would say, uh, this summer with, uh, this will do outdoors. And my, I guess my opening question would be, you know, a, how did, how did the overall season go for you guiding wise? And then B, you know, what was, uh, what do you think the highlight was from this, this summer slash fall? Ooh. Well, 
man, that's uh, that's the highlight is a tough question, but overall the season was great for guiding. Um, it was as busy as I kind of had expected it to be for the first year trying to go full time and advertising it. Took out a lot of people, a lot of got a lot of first fish. I know Gus talked about it in a couple of the previous pods that you know there's nothing better than you know having people get their first musky and man i'll tell you what that is pretty awesome that's kind of what drives me to do it as well and um loving having those new faces out there and teaching people a little something whatever i can but pretty successful um there were not many trips we didn't catch fish usually multiple fish throughout the summer um as fall kind of wore on um things have tapered off for me but i also I'm sure you heard I've got a new boat now and I had to get a real job to kind of fill in in between <laughs> the guide job. So my time on the water has been cut down quite a bit right now. Well, okay. So we can kind of revisit the highlight then maybe give you a few seconds to think on it. Um, what, what was the, what went into the decision of getting the new, the new rig? Cause I, I love seeing you scream around in your old boat. Uh, that thing, <laughs> you know, that thing flew. Um, I was on the the back end of, of seeing you fly by us a few different times. So be curious to kind of hear, you know, how that all went down and, and what went into that decision. Well, you know, I got to be honest, the main decision was uh, the fact that hammer keeps falling down in my boat every time we hook a fish. So, um, you know, it, it got kind of dangerous at times. So um, <laughs> I needed something with a little more room for the poor guy. <laughs> that's his, that's his partner for all those that, that don't know his tournament partner who had, uh, has definitely had a few tumbles in the boat for what it sounds like. Yeah. Stumble guy. <laughs> has he fallen in? No, no, hasn't fallen in yet. Been close at, well, he hasn't fallen out of my boat yet. I just about tackled him out of it the other day, <laughs> but um, that's another story. <laughs> Um, no, but for real, you know, the bass boat is awesome for fishing out of, and, uh, that Triton, uh, was really good to me. Caught, caught a ton of fish on it, had a very good send off, which probably was the highlight. We can get into that in a little bit, but, um, as far as hauling musky gear around all the time, fully tournament loaded guiding with older people or people that aren't necessarily real familiar in boats and you know, don't have their sea legs. It's kind of a pain in the butt to get down inside that council area and sit down. There's not a lot of room for, you know, multiple people to sit in there. It's kind of a two person, three max type of a, you know, boat. And I just, if I'm going to go and do this guiding, continue with it, which I plan to do, um, I needed something that was going to accommodate my guests a little bit more. Gotcha. So it sounds like you've been having to work a little bit more this fall to kind of compensate for the new, the new purchase. So it sounds like you haven't gotten out, um, a bunch, but on the times that you have gotten out, you know, have you found some, some success here, uh, this fall? We, yeah, we did, um, in October, especially kind of earlier in the month, early to mid part of the month, we were doing really well. Um, a lot of our bites were, um, strange as it is like right at dark or right after dark. And whether or not that was moon or not, it didn't really seem to matter, but there was always a window. If nothing was going on during the day, um, stick it out till dark and um, you're going to get a bite. But the trolling bite has just been absolutely horrible for me. And maybe it's just my time on the water timing or lake choice. I'm not really sure, but 
been doing way better casting and with suckers than with trolling. And generally at this time of year, we're trolling and, you know, we can go out and get multiple fish a day and it's just, they, I'm not even finding the fish in most of the spots that they used to be. So it's time to, I guess, find some new, new uh, patterns, you know, and kind of break away from the stuff that used to work. So I'm, I'm curious this fall, what, what do you think your sucker conversion rate is? If you have one come up and look at it, how often are they eating your sucker? <laughs> oh man. Uh, it's still it's probably like 30 to 40%. <laughs> and then That's hook up. Good. Yeah, we were like one for 50 that one weekend. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I it, uh, I haven't seen nearly as many as it sounds like as you guys were, especially that one weekend. But the ones that we're seeing, you know, I've spent as much as an hour on a fish to get it to bite. And there's a few things that we kind of figured out to uh, get it to bite, actually. Um, mm. Some things that we were doing to trigger fish which helped a lot, helped us get those bites and convert them. But we'd have fish following for like an hour. And finally we just start doing some dumb stuff and uh, it ended up working out for us. Are, are you hiding this dumb stuff from us? Cause we're looking no. for all the tips we can get. Oh yeah. You want to know? I know. Yeah, <laughs> definitely want to know this. We're all my perked up right ready. now. Like, Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, let me write this down. Uh, um, one thing that seemed to help was uh, if you took the fish out to the deepest water, you possibly could just break away from the brake line, turn and burn out and drive straight out. And then you get them out over that water. And, uh, um, that seemed to help. And if they were still being a pain in the butt, I actually just take and just start dropping that sucker as fast as I could in the column. And then if the fish followed it down, that was usually good. Stop it and bring it right back. You know, kind of almost play the chase game with, uh, like with Lake trout Interesting. that definitely seemed to help to change the, you know, the height of the bait in the water on a couple different occasions. So you're actually interacting with these fish. Is it, are you, um, looking at them on live scope or using your side imaging to kind of gauge that? Yeah. Well, obviously with the mega live, um, we're able to watch them in real time. Um, as far as keeping an eye on them, I use the 360 and the live together side imaging, it all seems to, they all kind of help each other out. Sometimes I don't see them on one where I'll see them on the other. You know, the 360, you can track them definitely easier than grabbing hold of a live pole and start spinning it because that's constantly rotating. The only problem is, is it's a little delayed, so they're not necessarily right where, you know, you see them or sometimes it just takes a while to update. But I think between like all three, I don't ever rely on just one of them but using all three systems, definitely uh, you, I can keep track of fish a little bit better that way. Gotcha. And so this, this fall time, are you, are you targeting mostly, you know, lakes with a Cisco base or, you know, are you kind of going back to the traditional like perch and sucker and shiner type base lakes? Are you switching it up? Do you have one that you prefer over the other this time of year? I've been, doing both, a lot of both. And now at this point, I'm pretty much ready to just head to the Cisco lakes and, you know, just chase trophies because the bites are few and far between. And, you know, I've gotten enough of those mid range fish, although, you know, just because you go to a Cisco lake doesn't mean you're going to catch a giant, but you know, the chances for getting giants seem to be a little bit better when you're out there in those Cisco's. 
So that'll be my primary focus going forward. Why do you think the, I know there's probably, you know, it's, it's probably more common sense, but I'd just be curious to hear your thoughts. You know, why do you think like the, the bite windows are so much tighter in the fall compared to summer? Do you think it's just temperature related more than anything? I wish I knew. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly, I don't, I don't know. Um, Doesn't their metabolism slow down and they don't, Yep. Spell a ton yeah. of energy. Yeah, but you got to think, I mean, so kind of what we always say to each other, Nick and I, when we're fishing tournaments and stuff is like somewhere on the body of water that we're fishing or somewhere out there, there's a mosque being caught probably just about at any given time. Right. So, I mean, I don't really know like why, you know, a lot of, most of the time I always thought it was moons, you know, or sunrise, sunset or something like that, or, you know, I'm, I mean, could be barometer change, but like sometimes it seems like there's absolutely nothing happening that would cause a window to start. And all of a sudden they just decide they're going to feed. I don't, I don't really know. Um, and why they're tight. I mean, I asked the question because like where, where it confuses me a little bit is like, we've seen some just ridiculously fat fish, you know, in the fall from our catches from other people's, you know, sending in pictures and whatever, and it's just like, okay, this fish has just been chowing on suck or on, you know, either suckers or perch or Cisco's seems like pretty consistently here. They're completely beefed up, but yet the, the windows are much tighter, but yet the fish are way fatter. So it's like, I, well, I don't really understand. <laughs> you, know? you, you gotta, um, I don't know if you think about it much, but you gotta take into consideration the egg development and the females too. Mm. A lot of that weight that you see their bloating is starting to be the spawn that's, you know, developing and they grow substantially towards the end of the year, you know, and then through winter. And, um, you know, everyone says that, oh, the fish are putting on the feed bag right now, but, you know, like Brian was saying, their metabolism is slowing down and, you know, they're not necessarily as active in feeding as often, you know, and as much as normal, I think they're process slows down they're actually looking for more of a larger presentation and that's why we use bigger baits in the fall you know and big suckers and you know if you can get your hands on a cisco to use for a live bait or something like that you know big ones these fish aren't they aren't necessarily putting on the feed bags so much as they are conserving energy knowing that they have to continue developing for the spring through the winter when it's super cold in the water so more so I think it's just the development of the eggs, really, that, I mean, and you'll catch fish and you'll see the big bulge in them from a giant, you know, bait or something, fish that they ate, you know, so that, you know, is also part of it. But um, I think a big part of it is actually a spawn that's developing in those females. That makes sense. So. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't even know. I don't know if I really knew that. I mean, I definitely agreed with you on all the slower metabolism and maybe that's why the bite windows are so tight or whatnot but it was really interesting this past november really there has not been as much activity on moon as i've been able to predict it's like usually it's like two windows per day ish depending on the weather and more so than not it's either a very predictable weather like incoming flurries a wind shift or uh like late afternoon i don't know it's like somewhere between one and three like something's gonna start it didn't matter if there's moon somewhere at that peak warmth of the day pretty much seemed to be kind of the ticket 
uh, lately. Hmm. And that's you know the only prediction I have. This uh this fall's been really weird too, and we I've talked about it with a few people, like how we had warm weather and then it got really cold and we went right into like a turnover, but it was kind of delayed and we were stuck in like 53, 51 degrees for a long time, like a couple weeks. And then, and then it hit cold again and it also now it dropped into low forties. And I, I don't know what the, I, I think these fish are super scattered. Generally they, you know, after turnover is predictable, they push out deep, you know, the breaks and everything else. I don't, I don't know what their deal is, but I feel like a lot of fish aren't even out there. I'm still, you know, when we're marking fish, a lot of them are up on the edge of the weeds yet. If not, they're in there. Hmm. Yeah. I know the, just this past week with water temps. Oh man. I I got a, I think they were well below 45. Well, there was one day I was taking out on a lake and I was looking in the weeds sub five feet, really, really thick weeds. And there was panfish everywhere. I was like, okay. Uh, it was like bright and sunny out. And then just, uh, this past weekend, uh, the one fish we got one day after having a bunch of suckers looking at, or sorry, a bunch of muskies looking at the suckers in slightly deeper water, we pushed in shallow and got one in like, I don't know, probably somewhere between three and five feet of water on a clearer lake. And I was just like, they are absolutely everywhere i mean yeah weed edge fish were definitely still around and it didn't even i mean there were some green i found some green weeds but i'm not i probably should have been searching for them more you know like i feel like once it was post turnover i kind of just stopped that search of looking for the green weeds but there are definitely fish shallow and still yeah we kept after turnover for sure throughout the rest of october we kept checking weeds and anytime we found the good green ones we would pound them because there's still the bait's still in there and those muskies have were still up shallow and i don't know i think some of them still are shallow right now it's super weird maybe there always is i don't know if anybody else has any experience in that or not but no i mean the only thing that i got there is just incidental winter catches uh going for pike with you know, small little two, three inch shiners, muskies eating them in four to six feet and cabbage, you know, in the mid- yep. middle of winter, it's like, well, then why couldn't you catch them there in November or, you know, late October or something like that. So didn't you or Max catch one like mid November, like up by a dock or something in like two feet of water? Yeah, that was a really warm, that was late October, but I think that year the lakes already turned over. Right? Wasn't that late October, Max, or was that November? Yeah, it was either the last last few days of October or early November, just throwing a bulldog for for giggles <laughs> up uh, up near. We were just kind of tr- we were just kind of dragging. We were on a a shallower system, and we were dragging you know suckers in that like ten to twelve feet of water, which was deep relative in that lake, and it was warm enough where I was bored and I was just casting a bulldog, not really expecting much to happen. If anything, maybe pull one off the weeds and bring it to the sucker. And I, I threw it past the dock and it got rocked like first or second pump. And that was a, (laughs) for that lake was a very large fish. Unfortunately, you know, didn't land it, but we got to see it. And, um, 
you know, have, have frequented that spot a multitude of times and never, uh, never contacted her again. Unfortunately, I don't know if she was just up there sunbathing one day and she was on the move, but she was never to be, uh, found again, unfortunately. So, um, one thing I, uh, I want to go back to, you kind of mentioned, um, you know, you were throwing some baits, Clay, and this goes, this goes to you and Gus. I know Gus, you've kind of stumbled across a new, uh, a new favorite. Seems like you kind of gravitate towards a favorite bait every season. So I'm kind of curious to hear this. I'd hopefully you'll be willing to share, but I'll start with Clayton. You know, I'm assuming fall time, you guys are throwing Medusas, you're throwing your Bulldogs. Uh, outside of that, are you throwing much else or are you just kind of stick to the big rubber program? Are you doing anything to mix it up? Well, I've, um, had a really good year this year on dive rise, maybe cause I was throwing it more. It seems like I've been able to get fish on it throughout the whole year and into fall. And, uh, Nick gave me a, um, double weight mega bar fighter and Ooh. yeah, I've been uh, hell bent on trying to get a fish on that thing plus i got a 12 inch navin at the show nice. which i was like i am throwing these baits this fall and i'm gonna catch fish on them now i've missed some fish and lost a big one in canada on that double mag or whatever we actually had a, I had some buddies from green bay up and i think they had a super mega bar fighter um how big is that <laughs> thing looks like a four by four going through the water <laughs> is it bigger than a frankensuic oh it's huge i it's definitely it weighs more heavier and yeah. bigger around yeah oh man don't throw the that thing, thing by any cribs or ropes that are uh, attached to the bottom of the lake <laughs> no we stayed uh we were out in pretty deep water and we were using that but oh, that thing absolutely just stayed in place it did not rise when when he pulled it, like he could get that thing walking, like walk the dog. And then when he stopped, it just kind of hovered there, did that beautiful belly roll. And, uh, I think I need to add a, one more heavier weight to my double mag to get it to hover a little more. Mine rose a little bit more than his does, but, um, that thing just walks beautifully. And, uh, we've moved a pile of fish on him, just trying to get him to hook up. I don't know what the deal is, but I haven't caught any on it yet. Sounds like it's only a matter of time. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. If you got confidence in the bait, just keep throwing it. Yeah. It'll give, definitely. It'll give at one point. Yeah, Gus, that reminds me, not to cut you off before you answer the question, but that reminds me when you got uh, the, the boys from uh, Red October sent to you a nice care package of new tubes, and mm-hmm. there was one specific one in the box that you pulled out, and you were like, oh, this thing is beautiful. And that was on, like, Thursday night. And you're like, I'm throwing this thing all weekend. You put it on, uh, I think on Friday or whatever. And it was just like, it was dancing perfectly in the water. And you're like, oh my God, this thing looks so good. I got to throw it. You threw it all day Friday, all day Saturday. And then it didn't get eaten until Sunday. <laughs> but it's just the pure never... persistence of just continuing to throw that bait. And then it all of a sudden got like super hot for mm-hmm. another, like it was like, and then you were just sticking fish on it daily. Uh, that thing was just shredded by the end of the week. Yeah, that thing. Yeah, it's caught some dandies this fall. That particular tube, I was no blading it, starting early October, and that was that definitely seemed to uh, be the ticket for a few of those days. And yep, for the first bite on that tube, I was pretty stubborn. I maybe changed once all weekend. I pretty much threw the same bait 
looked at the same bait all weekend. Which so I've never what are you throwing done. Gus these days? It's, I know that you just got off of uh, three consecutive days of guiding and it sounds like fish were put in the net each and every single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super successful. Majority of them were actually trolling. Uh, I was going to comment before about the trolling stuff, Clayton. I'm in the exact same boat uh, through October. The only good trolling pattern that I've been on is like this past week. Prior to that, it's been pretty rough. I think it was just like a couple, uh, maybe like one lost fish. But for the time that was put in, it just wasn't quite there. And then now I think it's picking back up. It seems like they're really reacting. I mean, we're getting trolling fish on the same passes and same days as putting out suckers during moons on you know, a one spots and not getting anything and then rolling through with the, with the trolling bait and then getting one. So for some reason they're liking the big plastic baits going right by their face at the same speed as opposed to a live sucker. So, but I guess if you can get away with that, that's, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's clean living right there. I, I love cheaper trolling. option, cheaper option. Yeah. But uh, yeah, as, same. For, as for casting, it's mainly been rubber. I've tried to throw some jerk bait still here and there, but mainly I've been having clients throw rubber and mainly it's uh, uh swimming dog is still good. That one seems to do uh, really well, especially on uh, Cisco based bodies of water and the bulldog or Medusa hopping that thing around and getting it to nosedive. And, and uh, I think those were, those are probably the, the best baits and the tube. I already kind of talked about the tube. Did you, uh, did you throw our, our new, uh, new present that we all three of us pitched in on today at all by chance? No, I might, I'm going to throw it this week though. That bait ain't no, you're really going to break that in without us. Yeah, dude, I have to, I got to get the, uh, I got to, you know, pull on the rubber tail a little bit and kind of get it walking a little better, you know? Yeah. Tug on the old rope. (laughs) Max, you, Are you going to be uh, happy or sad if you get up there and the thing's got a big tooth mark in it? Well, I think Gus needs to even tell people what it is. We kind of glossed that's, over that I, part. I know. <laughs> that's what I was just about to say. For the listeners that don't know what the hell we're even talking about, we, I, we're we talking about this like it's something brand new. I know plenty of people in Minnesota <laughs> and Canada have been throwing it. It's just us Wisconsin boys, you know, shy away from the big baits, but... uh we invested in a monster swimming dog, and that thing is a unit. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it's so big. And uh, how many inches is that thing? Uh, 16 or 17 mm. or something like that. And it's like, I think it weighs more than a pounder, if I'm not mistaken. So I did not get to throw yeah, it. Yeah, it is more. Yeah, it's like a I'm pound sure. and a half or something like that. And, uh, Jeez. I'll I'll throw it tomorrow for sure. I want to check it out. I was going to this. Don't weekend, lose that seventy dollar tail on a pike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got to be oh. careful. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go make sure I go to the middle of the lake and and say out loud as I cast. Ain't no way there's a fish out here. <laughs> God, if that thing gets bit off by a pike, we'll be going to Jeff Whitman at TRO on our knees. Yeah, <laughs> begging for a. <laughs> A replacement or some we should have taken out some warranty or something on that bay it was like uh back uh this was like i think last summer 
it was Gus's birthday. And at this time we didn't have any matlocks or headlocks. And Gus was always talking about, you know, getting one. And, um, so for his birthday, I, I went invested into a, in a, uh, I think it was a, a 12 inch Cisco pattern matlock and gave it to him for his birthday. And we go out on the lake that afternoon and start running it. 20 minutes later, just put it into the face of a crib, never to be seen again. <laughs> Come on. No. Yeah, first day ever with the supernatural bait gone. Pretty much oh. just just took a hundred dollar bill and lit it on fire. <laughs> sure, that thing still looks good down there though. Must be oh, checking yeah. it out every it day. Prior to getting the uh the bait removal from Cave Run this spring. And uh I was also going off to some incorrect depth charts i thought it was running at eight and it probably was running at like 13 feet down and just, just maybe buried 14, in just buried it oh, yeah. can you give me the gps coordinates of where that is and <laughs> yeah. maybe i can try and snag it <laughs> i know kind of where it is man yeah. uh that was hilarious um yeah no i'm i'm excited to throw that big old monster swimming dog i'm Curious to see how it looks and also if it's trollable. Be really interested to see if uh if it can sustain, you know, going down there and rolling around. I'd be curious. Yeah, I think we should definitely try trolling it. Um I also was gonna say it might turn out to be at least for around here, because some of the fish here might be like, you know, what the hell is that? Why is moving through the water? It might be just a fish mover. And that sure. could be beneficial for you know, sucker eaters or castbacks with a not so ginormous lure. With what color? What color patterns you get it in? Cisco, UV blue Cisco. I know a couple lakes you could probably get that thing eaten. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and yeah. I'm sure I know you fished them too. So, <laughs> yep. And I'm thinking of one that uh, we haven't been to yet, and that is it. It's the one that you were just trolling at the other day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The big, it's got some big, big Cisco's out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Clayton, uh, you know, maybe this this fall. I mean, I guess if you if you've caught a giant this fall, uh, feel free to fill us in. But has there been any other past kind of big fall fat fish that you've uh, that you can kind of remember back on? Hmm. Um. You know, honestly, I haven't even uh, fished too much in the fall until recently, like the last two or three years when I started uh fall fishing I figured I'd give this whole sucker fishing a try and I bought like five of them and they weren't nearly as expensive as they are now but I went out and I fished for a whole week straight and uh, I never got a bite but I caught everything I caught was casting and follows never went to suckers so um I took one of them and I hit it with a billy club on the head and threw it to an eagle and then I went back to the boat landing and I got my shotgun out and I threw them up in the air and dusted them with the shotgun, the last three, and uh, put the boat away and went duck hunting and deer hunting for the rest of the fall. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> what a what a first was, sucker experience. Oh, those, those poor suckers. <laughs> It'd be yeah, a bad life. You? It'd be a bad life. You know, I got I got so much enjoyment out of doing that after being really, really (laughs) mad. I'm sorry. I'm probably a bad person. (laughs) We're gonna have PETA emailing us here pretty quick. Yeah. (laughs) 
I've been there, man. After our uh, our musky bender weekend, I was damn near ready to do the same after seeing all those fish come up and just look at them. And it's like, I thought you guys like to eat these. I'm kind of confused as to what what's the problem here. <laughs> you know, like spending you know eighty bucks at the bait shop every morning only for us to just see them on a video game console. Frustrating. Yeah. Tell you what, that's like driving a matlock into a crib and never <laughs> yeah, seen it again like it. <laughs> damn near all right should we uh should we dive into a few q a questions because they always go a lot longer than uh typical i you know um didn't get as many as many questions as i thought we were gonna get but we got some good ones here to kind of discuss this one i think we're gonna start out with uh just because we've we've talked about it in every podcast since uh since brian brought it up but our first question comes from Rowan uh, Stam. Gus, is that how you pronounce his last name? I think it's Stam. Stam. If you guys want to follow somebody who put some nice fish in the boat, check out Rowan's page. It's Rowan underscore Stam, S-T-A-M-M. Uh, he's a guide. Uh, we met him at the uh, PMTT championship. Actually, he was up fishing uh, right on that area on the same weekend. And he's a great dude. So, uh, I know he got to see guide kind of over by like the Hayward area typically, or just kind of all over Western. I think Wisconsin. so. Yeah. Yeah. And I know he does a bunch of river fishing. That's mainly what he, uh, I think okay. specializes in and a little bit. Of he's been putting some, too. he's been putting some big fish in the boat this fall. Every time I see his mm-hmm. Instagram story, it's I like, just, I just talked to him and uh, I think just yesterday, maybe two days ago i can't remember but he said he's he's got the number of like a 35 40 pound river giant right now that he's Mm. gonna be trying to get that he just raised the other we wish you the best of luck rowan well this question uh i guess anyone can answer it if they want but he was wondering uh do you prefer wranglers or dickies jeans or jorts when you are sleeping brian Oh, anybody can answer that? <laughs> anybody can answer you. that, though. <laughs> uh, I think I've said it before, Wranglers. Even though I don't know, I, I'm probably a Levi guy if I look in a closet, but... Okay. Yeah, yeah. F- 501s, a little baggier. Uh, yeah, yeah, I get some room, room to breathe in there while I'm sleeping, you know? Yeah, I mean, you're a little heftier these days. I don't think you can rock those 511 skinny jeans like you used to in high school. Yeah, no, those are the glory days, man. I'm out of those and the boot cuts. <laughs> All right. I'm guessing no one else has anything there. So <laughs> I, I haven't right. seen Brian sleeping before, so I guess uh, I have no comment. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> no. <laughs> Brian falls asleep about as fast as you do, Clay. And I, I still couldn't get over that. And we were up there and. Uh, Hayward for the championship. We'd go to bed at like nine fifteen, and I think I'd go upstairs three minutes after you, and you'd already be snoring, passed out. I couldn't believe it. I was last, like, "How?" Last night I got home here. What the heck? Oh, um, and uh, sat down on the couch, and it was like five minutes to seven. Or what, what time did game start last night? Like seven thirty or something. Yeah. Seven. yeah. Okay, so seven twenty-five, and I'm on my phone. I'm like. Well, I'm just gonna close my eyes for a second. I got five minutes before the game starts, and I woke five up. Five minute power mid- nap. Yeah, I woke up at midnight and shut the TV off and went to bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you missed a. I mean, it ended up being an okay game, but it was pretty brutal to watch. So you didn't miss much. But yeah, I was like, 
I don't know if I was more just impressed or confused at how fast you passed out on. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. I was so jealous. Um, all right. So this question is actually for you, Clayton. It comes from uh, Jackfish21. He's wondering, Clayton, when did you get into musky fishing and how has it progressed? And I, I'd be curious to hear this too, because I don't even know if I really know specifically your your origin musky story. Yeah. Um. So my uncle um, on my mom's side of the family, so my mom's brother, used to vacation up here. I was, I'm born and raised in Eagle River, and I've lived up here pretty much my whole life besides like a year and a half when I moved away for some work. And um, so he used to come up with my cousin, and it's basically as soon as I was old enough to hold a rod, um, I have it hanging up on the wall now, but um, we used my grandpa, my uncle, and my cousin, and then my uncle's best friend and his son. So there's three of us that are all the same age as boys or whatever. I would say, I guess when we were maybe eight years old, um, we started chucking baits um, with the old split bamboo rods and uh, like the old school I don't even know if that, you know, Shimano reels that I don't even know if there was a gear ratio on them back then spooled with some sort of mono and snapping baits off all the time or whatever. But we just fish and fish and fish until they made us stop for whatever we were in some just some old boats, nothing, no fancy electronics, nothing. But my grandpa, this was back when the size limit was like 32 and before I knew anything about catch and release and uh my grandpa said, don't you dare put one of those back if it's over 32. So we kept back in the day, we kept every single one, <laughs> which uh, wasn't that many. Now I know people are going to freak, but um, maybe like if we kept between, you know, the two boats or whatever that would go out fishing a few times a summer, if we kept five between everybody, that was a lot. Like sure. I mean, we'd catch a few here and there. And so that was all I did really was with them until I would say probably high school. Um, once I was able to start driving, I could go out and fish, you know, by myself or, you know, and made some friends that fished also and kind of learned about, you know, muskies Inc and catch and release and, uh, and the leagues up here and stuff. And, uh, basically joined the muskie league and started fishing that and started fishing more for fun and stuff progressed into finally getting my own first boat which is the boat that triton i had that had that for 13 years now oh wow yeah and just kept spending as much time as we possibly could on the water and the more comfortable we got the more fish we caught then we started dabbling in tournaments and you know just kept moving on through what was the first tournament you ever did it was um the spring ooh, I think probably a spring classic and I would oh man I would really have to look it's probably like 2008 or something like that I didn't even have my boat yet but my buddy had a pretty nice actually a triton 16 and a half foot mine's an 18 half but once he got that we started doing a couple tournaments out of it I could did catch a fish in the first tournament ever um, but we didn't place in it Gotcha. That's, I've always been interested to hear. I mean, yeah, you've been fishing tournaments for a while and just kind of a cool, cool deal. And I know the, you know, the first time you were on, 
um, we've picked up a few, few more listeners since then, but um, I know your family's got a pretty storied past in the Eagle river area. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know if we want to go down too much into a rabbit hole, but um, you know, what was it? Your, your grandpa who owned a lodge up here and my great grandpa. Uh, yeah. I started off. Yep. So they're from Madison and uh, they ended up getting a resort on um, a lake up here. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the first ever resorts and they uh, my great grandpa was a guide and they used to take out and then my grandpa was too, but they used to take out a bunch of the Dillinger clan. And I think we might've talked about that before, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. which is pretty cool. And uh, Whitey, um, ended up uh buying it basically forcing my my grandpa into selling the resort because he liked it so much they wanted to keep it for themselves and he's like we'd like you to keep taking us out fishing but uh we're gonna own this we're gonna give you this much money for it and uh no negotiations little, no <laughs> negotiations no here's a little chunk of property you can you can build yourself or park a little trailer or whatever you want to do over there <laughs> tent it out but um from this day on, this is now our resort, and <laughs> I couldn't even I couldn't even imagine the pressure that your great grandpa faced as a guide taking those you know those types of dudes out fishing. I wonder. Yeah. I I wonder if he. I never really asked him if he knew like what their deal was. Deal was for sure. Maybe he didn't even ask questions. You know, maybe he did know and just smart guy. You know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's what I would do. I'd be like, hey, whatever. You know, you know? The better. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. sounds good. Yes. They're yep. tipping they're tipping well and you know, yeah. whatever. That's all sounds like I mean here. it sounds like they were really nice, you know, like they're and from what I've heard from stories from other people, the more people I tell about this, you know, the more people that have had family that had, you know, um encounters with these group of people and you know, majority of them were super nice and they treated everybody really nice up here and you know, they tipped people very well and you know they they just did all their other shady stuff <laughs> down <Elsewhere>. south you know <laughs> and then came up here and hid and were nice to try and you know blend in i guess god that's so interesting mm-hmm. i mean i just i couldn't imagine being out on the boat and and have a guy tell you well man we love it up here so much we're we're gonna buy your your place from you and well, today, it's not really, today, not really for out sale. <laughs> well, it is for sale now. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's crazy. All right. Well, um, a little simpler question here. Uh, and I think we've probably touched on this one before, but you know, we'll, we'll answer him if, if this uh, individual hasn't gotten it, but this one's from Phil Dante. He's asking, uh, Clayton Gus, do you guys prefer fluorocarbon leaders or wire leaders and why? Um, I usually just prefer wire. Uh, I started out using a good amount of fluorocarbon and I think it's totally fine for something like a bucktail, but I don't know. I've just seen too many baits coming in where that fish has T-boned it close to the head or just eaten it head first. And there's a little bit of leader in their mouth and, and all I want in front of that bait is, is wire, you know? Cause that's, that's your last little point of connection to the bait. So I want to make sure that it doesn't fail, you know? So like if I use a straight wire leader and it's kinked up a lot, I'll replace it. And if I'm using a multi-strand wire and I see one little fray in it, it's done. And I'm on to the next one. Yeah. Um, 
That's a good question. And uh, it's uh, actually changed a lot for me over the last couple of years. I was a big time fluorocarbon pretty much with everything except for glide baits and dive rides. I'd use a single strand wire leader for those. And uh, we would get bit off a lot with uh, rubber baits. And um, finally, I just decided that enough was enough. Um, I'm tired of it. And now, as of last year, I run all 49-strand wire for rubber. Um, basically, I've eliminated fluorocarbon from everything except for trolling. I still use fluorocarbon for trolling. And uh, single-strand now wire for bucktails. Although, like Gus said, I think the fluorocarbon's fine. You typically, very rarely do you get hit up high on a, on a bucktail. They usually come up from behind and eat it or T-bone it. And um, I think actually it's probably pike that more will hit blades and never get hooks. Like a lot of fish that you might miss, you you get a smack out far out in a cast if it's a lake with pike in it. Um, I think a lot of times if it is a muskie, it's a small one, but um, pike will go after those blades before they do. But I switched to single strand wire because I was running a much shorter leader. And so I could do bigger figure eights um, at the time. And at that time I was only using like an eight and a half foot rod probably. And now that I'm up to nine, nine and a half, 10 for all my bucktails, I probably could go back to a uh, fluorocarbon, but I don't have any problems with the wire. So I'm just going to stick to it. Gotcha. That makes sense. All right, uh, Brian, I'm going to, uh, you're going to have to, you're going to have to lead this one off here. I saw um, you grinning during Clayton's answer there. I knew something was coming. <laughs> no, no, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's from our boy, boy, uh, poorly, poorly. Oh, made here we go. Shout out. Shout um, out. Shout out. This one actually skews a little negative and I kind of dig it. Um, and I'll be curious. This is, this is going to be for all four of us. So we're going to, we're going to have a, a, a four, four person answer here. Um, and if you guys need some time to think, you know, we got all the time in the world tonight, but he asks, what's your least favorite aspect of musky fishing? Hmm. I know it's hard because musky fishing is the freaking best and <laughs> there's not very many things. That oh, there, there's, it. I guess, but what's can, your can least I, favorite I, thing? Brad? Can I get the obvious one out of the way? And then we can maybe dive into some more, I mean, obviously it'd be going a full day without catching a damn fish, but other than that, <laughs> um, what do you mean? It's the freaking best, man. Yeah, it's so much fun going 12 hours and not hooking anything. <laughs> Somebody's got to leave that off. I got to think. Okay. I'll lead it off. And I, if I had more time, I, I probably would think of other things. Cause like the first thing that popped into my head was like, you know, just trying to make snack decisions at six in the morning that you're going to be hungry for at like one in the afternoon. It feels like we never really get a good compliment of uh, snacks on the boat. But hey, oh, whoa. I mean, yeah, snack God, Brian, sometimes <laughs> comes in clutch. But I so <laughs> this is just personal for me because I've had some pretty, pretty rough encounters doing this. But my least favorite thing about musky fishing, and I know it comes after one of the best things of musky fishing. But my least favorite thing is unhooking a fish. I absolutely despise it. Mm. And Ooh, Gus scary. typically does it for me. I got PTSD from many encounters last summer where I could not stop slicing my hand open. 
It mm, felt like too. I mean, yeah, but the those were bad ones. Like one, obviously, I needed stitches. The other one was a wound that took. I still have. I mean, it's barely now healed. <laughs> That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but it felt like that cut. It was at a. It was on a like under my nail, on a piece of my thumb that I use on my right hand so consistently, where it just hurt doing anything like brushing my teeth. It hurt, whatever. Like anything, I anytime I held anything, it was just like pain, constantly. Um, but I went through a run last year where it was like, if I had a fish in the net, it was like a 90% chance that hook was finding somewhere inside my skin. <laughs> and I just got so pissed. Well, there was a pike, musky, bass, didn't matter. That hook was finding a way to cut me up some way, somehow. I was I was coming out of there with blood. I just, I just probably need to be more patient and a little bit more diligent, but you know me, I just kind of get so excited that I want to get the thing out and take the picture and, you know, get it back in the water that I just kind of don't pay attention enough. And this year it's been better, but I think that's honestly been because Gus, you kind of go into full guide mode sometimes. And like, before I can even get the players out, you're already down there, you know, taking the hooks out for me. And I'm all right. Yeah. Hey, hey, that's all good with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, do your thing. So, it. Yeah, that would probably be my late, least favorite thing is is taking those damn hooks out. Just feel like there's a lot of ways for it to go wrong. I think, man, I I probably have another thing if I thought on it a lot longer. But one of the first things that came to my mind was the fact that we have all these baits. We have so many, you know, really, really pretty paint jobs on some of the baits and really, really cool colors. And these dumb muskies decide to eat just some of the dumbest colors sometimes oh, that is the and worst it's, and it's turned in to making them have brown as my favorite color oh. <laughs> all colors <laughs> i love brown baits like if i could just have an all brown bait i'd be very happy and it's just a turd color and they love it and it makes no sense <laughs> it's so dumb my i i i guess i have two a two-part answer uh one of my least favorite things in muskie fishing is one of you two starting to run your mouth and tell me what bait to throw on. That'd probably be one. Oh, of me. That's me. I'll just take. I'll take the hit. That's just me all day. Well, actually, no. I'm just I'll, gonna say. I'll have a pretty looking talk. bait in my head, and then it's like, "Hey, why don't you throw this?" I'm like, "God, just talk shit whenever you grab something. It motivates yeah. you. Keeps yeah, you, keeps you on your toes." Yeah. Um, but now my second part would be uh, unloading the boat. After a long day. You don't do anything. Oh gosh. Oh, were you like waiting for me to say that? No, no, no. Like, me up. No, you, usually it'd be when the boat's getting loaded. I don't do it. We're hucking the football, but when we're unloading, I don't know if anybody else is doing anything. Oh my god. Oh, that was a great question, poorly made. Thank you for that. Boy, I've uh, played. What do you got? Yeah, I've accumulated a whole list of things. The more you guys talk, the more things I dislike <laughs> about musky fishing. Yeah, there actually are. I'm starting to think of a few more as well. Let's be careful here. Let's be careful. No, I would say my well, number one, probably an obvious one, would be uh losing a fish in a tournament. Mm -hmm. mm. Mm. You yeah. have no you don't have any experience with that though. No, no. Oh gee, there's crumbs. <laughs> <laughs> uh man that's the worst yeah that's a bad one watching um, that pmtt video you put together of all the lost fish was like 
I, I didn't know whether to laugh. I didn't or... even put that together. They did. Oh, that... <laughs> <laughs> I was getting really mad when I started watching. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, they're just going to show a bunch of fish that we lost. They really do hate us. <laughs> oh. oh, jeepers. Yeah, that was tough. But um, let's see what there were a couple others. I've drawn a blank now. I, I um I I don't think it's just in musky fishing. I think it's maybe with everything, but um I don't like all the people that think that their way of doing stuff is the only way and everybody else is an idiot and you know has to bash on somebody or you know, if somebody shows a picture of a fish, you know, hey, you know, you're not holding that right, or you know, maybe they've never caught a musky before and aren't holding it quite right, or you know, somebody's always doing something you know, better than the next person or, you know, if, if you could just positive, you know, positive vibes. Right. And ABO, uh, baby, yeah. everybody's a pro behind their keyboard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that, that's annoying, but I don't think that's just with musky fishing. I think that's with everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Musky fishing specific. I think if tournaments have taught us anything, there truly is no one hard, fast way to catch these things. I mean, every time you get back from a day in a tournament, there it's never it's never the case where everyone who caught fish is doing the same thing. Never, ever, 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 ever. So just goes to show that, you know, like we're talking about finding fish in November, pushed up shallow. You know, you ask anybody what they tip, you know, a guy that's been doing it for a long time. Hey, where do you find them in the fall? Steep breaks, rocks. And sure, yeah, obviously you're going to find them there, but you know, you could also find them wherever and you just never know. You see a guy throwing a bucktail in November and you might snicker at him. And then next thing you know, he catches a 47 incher and you're like, damn, <laughs> you know? So there's like, yeah, there's just no one way to do it. Um, but yeah, that was, that's an interesting question because you don't typically think of what your least favorite things are when you're out there fishing. I mean, you're trying to focus on the positives, although I know sometimes Brian and I can get a little bit, uh, a little bit scrappy with Gus on a long day. <laughs> if, uh, I, just keep the, I just keep the crew together. I'm the glue guy. Yeah. Glue you know what guy. else, you know what else really ticks me off is, uh, my tournament partner, Nicholas hammer. Shout um, out. he's yeah. Shout out shout hammer. Out, hammer. Um, shout when out, he hammer. starts complaining because he's in such a slump, even though he just caught a fish 30 minutes ago and then he catches another one. As soon as he starts complaining, <laughs> that really ticks me off. <laughs> he only catches them when he complains. That yeah. He pretty slump. much only. Yep. So he's always complaining now in the boat, which <laughs> super annoying. I hope he's listening to this. <laughs> I hope so too. <laughs> yeah, that is tough. I know, uh, I know we can get on Gus's nerves a little bit. Um, we'll probably fall into Nick's category at times. Brian and I get a little bit, uh, you know, you get a little spot happy things aren't happening and mm -hmm. you get three opinions going on what we think we should be doing to change. We all turn into a and, pro in our own head, <laughs> yep. you know, and, and you know, I think it all it all it always works out in the end in some way, shape, or form. Once a fish hits the bag, you know everyone's happy, no matter whose idea it was or uh, who called the shot or called the spot. And I think looking back, like I'm sure Clayton, you've had times too where, you know, looking back, like Brian has made some of the best calls, you know, just out on weekends or in tournaments out of the blue for how much shit we give him for always saying, you know, we should go here, we should go there. I mean, Gus, you know, had a really good place uh, in the in the uh, the National Muskie Open two years ago, and it all started on a spot that we were driving by, and Brian was like, 
hey, let's go fish there. And we had no game plan to fish that spot. We had nothing going on and ended up catching a really nice fish. Yeah. And, was uh, that the one that he raised on a spoon, too? Yeah, it was the one <laughs> yeah. he raised on a spoon. Throwing yeah, a spoon. no, that, this is the exact scenario. It was one of those again where it's like, why are you throwing the spoon? And it's just like, just wait. <laughs> and you raised it. <laughs> You raised the fish, you got the apple on it, you raised it, Gus caught it. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. Assist. Well, that happened right. the morning before. Yeah. We both did it. Yeah, that's true. Then the morning before, Gus could actually, well, I don't think you would have changed your place, but the morning before, like 15 minutes into the tournament, Gus raised one and Brian started doing a figure eight and it came up and smashed Brian's bait. <laughs> and the funny part about that is it's an individual tournament, so... <laughs> Hey, man, all, all these, yeah, all these stories of Brian pulling it through and you know getting the big one and stuff. It really amazes me that you guys didn't do well in the PMCC. Not to bring that back up again or anything, you know, but <laughs> I don't think you give him enough credit. That guy. Oh, we we definitely don't. There's no, yeah, we, de- <laughs> we definitely don't. I uh, I agree. I I still, you know what? But you know how it goes. Like I I definitely want to do. You know, whether it's Gus or myself, I want we want to fish with Brian in another tournament. Cause I just see it happening where, you know, we've had so many weekends where Brian pulls out the big fish or calls the spot and we end up catching a big fish there that, yeah, you would think in that PMCC tournament that something would have happened, but you know, it, yeah, not to like oh, rehash the whole thing where yeah, it just seems like you are on spots where there's fish and then they just don't show up. You're like, what the hell is going on? Like I, you know, it just doesn't really compute. Um, It'll happen. All right. This question comes from uh, Jack, our buddy Jack. He asks, "What's the freakiest thing y'all ever did with your?" What? <laughs> he asked that again. He's asked that like eight times. This is the first time we're ever saying it. All right, we'll we'll move on from that one. I'm sure that'll just get bleeped out. Uh, <laughs> thanks for the question, Jack. Appreciate you. Uh, shout out moving on to a little bit more uh common musky questions here uh matt vavrock just had him on the pod shout out matt go check out his youtube channel i'm sure everyone heard that episode last week that was a lot of fun basic question here but i feel like it's going to take some thought uh because i'm sitting here looking at it and i don't know what i'm gonna say and i don't want to go first here but he asks what do you like throwing better bucktails or rubber Whew. I like throwing rubber. I think I'm going to say rubber too. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to cut in. No. Well, that's fine. I don't know. For some reason, I feel like the harder I work for a fish, the more my chances are of catching one. But I mean, catching fish in the eight on blades is super amazing, but I do love throwing rubber more than anything. I'll I'll jump in here because I think I want to just play off that because you hit the nail on the head for me. I I love the hits on rubber more, but just for argument's sake, I think I'm going to go bucktail because of the chance of catching it in the eight. And I think it's probably one. Of, it's probably what got me totally addicted to musky fishing is actually having a forty plus inch class fish come up and fly around in the eight a few times and t-bone it or you're actually like interacting with the fish and it gets to a point because like rubber you know you have to work hard and you have to get them to eat out on the cast and that that kind of goes into like how good you are you know working rubber baits but 
like when you get a fish into the eight on a bucktail, it kind of goes back to like, you do have to perform well in the heat of the moment, staring at the fish, you know, whether you're just out with your buddies or in a tournament, it's one of the more high intensity few seconds where this fish is right there. You're trying to do everything you can to get it to eat. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't, but when it does, it's like pure total chaos. So I'd probably go bucktails just for the sole fact of having that chance of getting one, especially a big one up in the eight flying around and getting it to eat right on the boat side. Yeah. I, I would say rubber, uh, unless I get to a point where I haven't caught anything and my arms start getting tired, then there's nothing better than a bucktail. <laughs> That's my simple answer. So you just, whatever's easier. No, there's nothing easy about rubber, but I mean, this old back doesn't hunt like it used to. So I got to switch it up. You're 24. <laughs> <laughs> you need to find some like workout regimens in the weight room to work on that. You know, like there's gotta yeah. be something where you're pulling you know, on some weights, you know, with a handle yeah. so you can he, practice ripping. So you definitely, he definitely needs to get in the weight room. That's, that's for <laughs> sure. So, so you're trying to throw hands this weekend now. I mean, I know you guys will. Is what it is. <laughs> Gus, what um, about you? Yeah, I didn't mean to cut in with Clayton, but yeah, I just wanted to agree right away. Rubber for me, um, definitely the more. I th- you guys were talking about it with the bucktails and the figure eight. That's definitely the best part. Um, I mean, getting a fish to eat a bucktail out in the cast is, you know, a bonus, you know, more times than not, you get them in the eight more than, more than most lures. And just, I got to say rubber takes the cake for me. The, uh, the bites are more times super, super heavy and, uh, they hit really hard. And especially if it's a larger fish and you set back into it and it doesn't move like a refrigerator, that's the best. That's a feeling really, really hard to beat. Yeah. Can't disagree with you there. Um, I will say, I think I learned everything about trying to catch a fish in the figure eight from you, Gus, because I don't know, I don't know how you learned how to do it or if you're just more came to you more naturally than it did for me. But when we started, I always wanted to, you know, when we, when the fish would come in on the, on the eight bucktail fishing, I'd always want to slow it down. And cause you're just kind of like almost guiding the fish to eat. Like you want to like, you know, hand feed it almost and watching you like really pull that bait away from the fish. And I've heard Clayton talk about it too, but it's like, you're almost trying to get it to the point where you want them to eat at a certain spot. Not like, Oh, I just want it to eat. It's like, I want it to eat here because you know, and I think that's where like you get the levels of musky fishing, you know, with like Gus and Clayton are just a little bit more dialed in with that. Like, uh, it's not even just getting it to eat in the eight. It's like, no, I want it to eat on this corner. Like, this is where I feel confident I can set the hook. I don't know if you guys have much to elaborate on that or, you know, if I'm just pumping your tires or whatever, but I've seen it firsthand. And I feel like I've been able to kind of learn from it and do a much better job over the last two years of getting fish to eat in the eight because of that. And also just from hearing Clayton talk about it, it's like, no, you want to, you want to make that fish fire up, chase it, and then eat it at a certain spot. So I don't know if you guys can elaborate on that at all, or if there's anything there. Um, yeah, I guess if I've haven't caught a fish in a while, or like if we were struggling and if all of a sudden a fish comes in on the eight, I mean, ultimately, yes, let's get it to eat any time 
and you are always reading the fishes or should be watching the fish's attitude and what do they what fires them up more is it high high fast outside is it a corner do they chase it when you're down deep you know boat side which ideally they don't eat it down there because you have much less room to move the rod you know through the water it takes a lot more work so there are places that are more ideal and you you know you'd like them to eat in a certain spot but I guess I'd just assume that they eat it unless we're really on a good blade bite and there's a lot of fish going and we're having all sorts of action. Then, then I am, yes, I am absolutely trying to keep the fish away, the bait away from the fish until a certain point. Yeah. It seems like there's Brian? some times that they like weeks or maybe a day where you get on a blade bite where they're almost too fired up and they're just trying to peck at it like a ton of times. And we've missed a lot of fish that are pecking at it as they're coming into the eight or nipping it on the corner when it's like an uber hot fish that should have just inhaled the bait. If maybe you gave it another turn or two to really decide on eating it or not. But um, this just popped in my head and it's probably one of my favorite uh, boat side bucktail eats is when you see it coming in and then you go into your first turn and it flares away but it's one of those kicks away where you know that fish is hot and then you just keep going in your big, big wide turn and you almost purposely slow down a good bit in that turn. And then they just come up out of nowhere and smoke it. It's almost like they go quick hide and then they come up and smoke it. That's, that's <laughs> probably the best eat. Nice. All right. Uh, this is the last Brian, one. Brian, I... were, were you, Brian, was Brian, were you going to say anything? No, I, I think you're seeing me flip my pen around. Oh, All I right. thought you were like waving your hand, yeah. like, "Oh yeah, let me <laughs> let me talk." I got some. <laughs> well, Brian, Brian's so good in the eight. He caught a blind fish this year in the eight. Yeah. Not easy. To do. Or was that I last caught... year? That was uh, this year. That was last year on the flap tail in the eight. Yeah, you caught two blind fish. Oh god, two years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. You, did you bring up the first one just so we would also mention that one that you caught too? <laughs> no, no, what the intention? <laughs> Yeah, I uh, catch fish. <laughs> I got my first fish ever in the eight after dark oh, this year. Really? And if Did you it have any idea? If it weren't for live imaging, I would have or 360, I would have never even been figure eighting. I knew it was out there, like I saw it on the 360. I was just kind of working this brake line heading back to the landing. And uh so I'm like, oh, there's fish in front, and I'm kind of going along and I had suckers down and all of a sudden I like turned the live pole to the sucker and the fish swims up to it and it's sitting on it. So I'm like, Oh sweet. All right. It's going to eat the sucker whatever. I put the rod down, you know, I kind of got ready. I'm standing there watching, watching it, watching it. And it leaves the sucker. I'm like, what the hell? And it was after dark. So I had like a double mag dog on and I just took a little underhand flip out like 15 feet from the boat and landed it right where I assumed it was based on the direction it was swimming and kind of gave it, I only had enough time to maybe do like two pulls and then just started figure eighting. And, uh, I'm figure eighting and I look over at the 360. I'm like, Oh my God, it's like right here. And then I'm like figure eighting kind of haphazardly with one hand. And I turn the live pole real quick to where my bait is. And now I can see the fish following it on the live as I'm figure eight. And I'm like, this actually might work. And I'm it seemed like an eternity, but probably three minutes of figure eight and 
and that fish ate where I didn't want it to directly down as deep as I could put the rod, you know, boat side. Cause I knew it was down there and it ate down there. And I just kind of lifted straight up as hard as I could and, and then proceeded to just put bend up in the rod. And I, that thing had deck bait <laughs> choked. Like it wasn't going to get off. Oh, wow. So that was, that had well, to get the heart going a little bit. Oh yeah. I had no idea how big it was. <laughs> so I'm freaking out. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That, yeah, it, like I, sweetie. We posted that video, but seeing the fish go around in the aid on the live scope is so funny. It's like, there it is. No, it's <laughs> Just not. Charged around. There it is. It's gone. There it is. Oh, it ate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a funny, funny video because we were so down bad after our uh, trying to go after some big fish the day before. We went on some action water and that was like 30 minutes into the day. It was like so awesome just to see a fish fired up <laughs> flying around in the eight. And Gus is like, What the hell? There's one in the trolling motor. <laughs> yeah, he's looking at the that just happened uh in later October with uh with their dad. He was just bringing in I just had to point it at the trolling motor again and he was just starting to figure eight with a crankbait and he was already doing a turn. And I'm like, Dad, there's a fish that just rose up out of the mud, like directly underneath you. It, because he said he didn't have anything following him and i'm like just keep figure eight and he's like oh okay i don't see anything just one turn Austin, this thing just goes straight vertical on the bait <laughs> from 12 feet That's below sweet. it and i'm like oh man these these fish really yeah once they're fired up they don't care about going uh vertical on baits but, <laughs> yeah that no they do not happens all right last question on my end um and then we'll move on to some I know Gus that you got as well. Uh, this one comes from Springy Tackle, our guys uh, from Springy Tackle, who actually makes his own custom bucktails, uh, makes some really nice stuff. Um, I think he's out of the Fox Cities, uh, right, Gus? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Micah. Micah. So Micah um, makes some awesome bucktails, Springy Tackle. Uh, that's just his Instagram handle. If you guys want to go check him out, um, you know, just a local bait maker so i'd like to support a guy like that making some really good stuff from our you know hometown where we grew up so very cool um he asks if you could fish with anyone in the musky community for a day who would it be and why clayton spees (laughs) (laughs) that's your answer you want me to answer (laughs) yeah yeah now you're up Uh, take this one first. Ooh. I'll I'll mm. go. I'd like to fish with Doug Wagner sometime. I think that'd be pretty amazing. Just um, I don't know. I follow him, you know, I followed him since he started with the YouTube channel, been watching his stuff, and I've you know talked to him a few times, bought a couple rods from him, but I just think you know, it'd just be amazing just to watch him work in person and not just through video and be pretty fun time i feel like he's always on big fish so yeah mm-hmm. he catches a few fish he does he's <laughs> lucky here and there yeah it seems I, like uh he knows what he's doing i want to go quick before max or gus i feel like one of you was thinking this but i would say get out with keys on the boat because we've been watching his videos for years and years and we just love his content so seems like a hilarious guy um that'd be pretty fun Man, he is so much fun to party with too. He is awesome. Have you dude. fished with him or just party? I've never fished with him. I've only uh had some uh Jack Daniels with him at uh muskie shows. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. 
That's awesome. So Keys Keys gets after it on the water and off the water. We love he to does. hear that. He's he's a great dude. Yep. That's awesome. And that uh that just made my night hearing that. He <laughs> he leans into the muskies on tap as I'm sitting here with my uh Castle Danger Cree male out of Tua Harbors. Shout out Castle Danger. Uh, Make a damn good beer for being from Minnesota. Damn. Not bad. Uh, all right. I Gus, do you have somebody? I'm still thinking because I'm kind of going between a few different people. I'm still, I don't know. I, all right. So I'm just going to go with the first, first guys, guy that came to mind. Um, I kind of want to go up and fish with them boys up in Bemidji. Go out with uh, Alex McLean and his buddy, um, Tyler Slabs. Mm-hmm. That uh, just posted a picture of catching a 50 pounder. It was like 50 pounder <laughs> equals season done. I mean, what the hell? God damn, dude. Yeah. I mean, those guys, you know, like, uh, just feel like they're consistently, at least this summer since I've started following them, um, you know, catch catch a lot of fish, and they catch some freakishly large Minnesota fish. They just have that, that deal kind of dialed in. And we had Alex on the podcast pretty early on. He was nice enough to come on, you know, and talk talk some shop with us but yeah i mean since following him like those guys just really seem to have the minnesota thing dialed and i think after vermilion i kind of have this itch to explore the minnesota deal a little bit more just with seeing some of the size fish and it really just being right in my backyard for the foreseeable future um you know i'm driving damn near four and a half hours every weekend to go fish vilas county which i love um, but it wouldn't be a bad deal to switch it up and I can drive less time and get up to Bemidji and fish some of those waters. So yeah, I shout out, uh, Alex and Tyler up there for putting some big ass fish in the net and it'd be fun to fun to get, just kind of get an idea on how they're, you know, doing that up there. Uh, if they're doing stuff differently, it sounds like they're always kind of switching it up. And, um, I always appreciate hearing about guys that are kind of doing that chasing stuff, some new stuff and, Clearly they found success in it. And I mean, that one night they had where they both caught fish over 53 inches or something like that. Mm, I mean, yeah. what, That's... what the hell, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely crazy. You know, I mean, sounds like quite the story. Next time we have him on, we'll, uh, we'll have to kind of get some more details on that. Cause it sounded like that was a pretty fun night for them. So now that I've had a minute to think about it, I was kind of trying to like branch out and go somewhere way out of the state, but I couldn't really think of anything. So I think I'm going to keep it back home here and to learn a lot more about the area up here. And I've only ever heard great things about this guy and I've never personally met him, but I'd really like to get out in the boat with Russ Smith from Smitty Bates would be really cool with all of the knowledge that he has and he's still out there fishing and catching really nice fish of this whole Vilas Oneida, just the whole Northern Wisconsin and uh, have a day out. And, and I, I mean, I wouldn't even be paying attention to my bait. I would just be asking him questions the whole time <laughs> about how it was back in the day. I know that's like cliche to ask, you know, a guy who's been there, done that, for a really long time in an industry, but I would, I would really like to really like to know. That'd be yeah, a good I, choice. Yeah, I agree. I think picking somebody 
that's had some history up here in Northern Wisconsin. It'd be really interesting. I mean, obviously, a, a another nominee for me would be JVR, but I feel like I, I mean, we haven't fished for them, but I almost feel like I have after talking with them so much and mm-hmm. being a part of the the Muskie Academy deal. You know, him giving out those nuggets all the time. But I mean, yeah, he'd be another guy I'd love to get out on the boat with just to watch how he works baits more than anything. I'm really curious to kind of hear. Like, I would love to watch him work a suic. Like, I know he just crushes fish on suics and on medusas, and I'd love to see how he works those two baits in northern Wisconsin because it sounds like those are just been a consistent producer for him. And as we all know, I mean, sometimes it's, it is, um, you know, the the Indian and not the arrow on how guys work lures. And, you know, I'd just be curious to see how he he's able to do it, so. That wraps it up for me, Gus. What uh, what questions do we got from you? Sure, I'm gonna <clears throat> I'm gonna bring it out with another. He sent in two, uh, another poorly made musky memes. Question. Shut up. This, shut up. I, I could, yep, shout out. This could be for all of us, but I think it might be back directed towards you, Brian. Yeah. Is what is your preferred fall sleepwear? Plaid flannels or Canadian tuxedo? (laughs) Plaid flannels or Canadian tuxedo? I'm going to go. How do you get them Z's? I'm going to definitely do plaid flannels. I mean, they're cozy. Brian, what you got? Canadian tuxedo, poorly made. (laughs) I feel like I just need to get it over with, get a full denim fit, send them a pick. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if you guys want to answer that, Max or Clayton, but. Man, both of them sound horrible. I sleep warm. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, no, no, no thanks. Yeah, I, know. I was joking on my answer. I don't. I know. I don't sleep with all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Freaking <Ugh>. poorly. Oh, <laughs> good stuff. All right, so we got one from CJ Scott. Shout out. Just was Shout in the out. boat with them recently, and uh, he asks. A good one here on would you rather catch three forties or one forty six on a day trip? Wow. Three forties. Yeah, three forties. I'm going with the forty six, but I'm definitely What's... curious on why you guys chose I think I I was between the two. Um Brian's just trying to feel about, something. We just yeah. yeah, he just we talked about it on the boat a little bit and my reasoning on the if I did pick the, I don't know. I won't say because I don't want to steal somebody's answer because that wasn't my answer. I picked forty six. So if somebody, oh, no, elaborate. You're good. Explain. Well, yeah, I was just gonna say like if it was three forties, if that's what I was gonna pick, it might seem like more more dialed that day. You got three fish to convert, but to me, I just getting that one big bite, I think is is the ticket. You know, that's what I would kind of prefer in that situation. I, I would agree, but for me, I feel like it wouldn't be 46. I would say at 48, I would not take the 340s. Just, I mean, that'd be my PB as well, and obviously a four-footer, but I would like a consistent day of action with 340s. So is 48 the cutoff, or Clayton's not in his head? Would you think 340s, and then what's the cutoff for the single fish that you'd rather have? It'd be 48 for you, right? 48 plus. Yeah. We actually changed the question. He originally had it at three forties or forty-five, and my answer was still forty-five. 
Wow. <laughs> yeah. Boy, I'm dying for a big fish. <laughs> so if uh, starving. if you brought the size of the three fish down under 40, I might change my answer. But yeah, I feel like once a fish gets to like 40, they just fight so much better and are so much stronger. And mm -hmm. respect to any, you know, musky over 40 inches, they you know, they'll take you for a ride once in a while. And, um, I would totally catch three over a 46. Now if we got up to like Brian said, 48 plus, I might reconsider that just because the four footers and above for us are come a lot fewer farther between, um, 46 is still are, you know, not a lot of them, but caught quite a few of them. And, they fight similar to a 40 in my opinion, maybe, you know, probably a little bit more, but three forties, you can have a lot of fun with them. <laughs> so I would stick with that in that regards. I think what Gus said about being dialed makes sense to me. Cause it's like, he talked to somebody and how their day was and they catch three fish in Northern Wisconsin over 40 inches or three forties for that matter. That's a, <clears throat> that's a damn good day in the boat. I will say, though, like the idea, you know, of catching a, a fish over 45 inches, I think I would probably lean to what Gus said, just because it's so few and far between to catch that mid to upper 40s fish in northern Wisconsin that you might get, you know, depending on how often you fish and, and the caliber of angler you are. But you know, for a guy like myself in northern Wisconsin who gets up when he can, I mean, I might get. I don't know how many shots a year at a, at a 46 plus inch fish um, that I probably would take the, the one bigger fish just because looking back on my summer and, and everything, like it was made by the few big fish that I caught, you know, like I would say this year was super successful. I caught a lot of fish around that, you know, 38 to 40 inch mark, but my year was great because of the few big ones that I caught. Like those are the ones that I'll, we kind of look back on the pictures, the stories, whatever. Um, so I'd, I'd probably go with the 46 just, but not by much. Like it'd be a, just a slight, slight uh, answer, like over the three forties. Cause that'd be a good day. I would definitely <laughs> like to catch three forty inch fish in a day. That'd be great. Um, Even split. I was, I was worried <laughs> when he asked this originally that it would maybe be lopsided, but glad we made it that it was more of like an even split. Cause that was a very, uh, tough question to kind of uh, think about what the answer would be but so the last two uh, came from the same user uh, both are pretty short questions comes from Kyle Kramer asking your go-to bucktail rod uh, Clayton do you want to maybe say what your go-to bucktail rod is um that varies depending on the size of bucktail I'm using okay. and um, well, even used to be like the type of water that I'm fishing too, but, um, my go-to was a nine foot heavy legend extreme, um, St. Croix legend extreme. And, uh, that would be for, I'll use that anything up to, um, double eights. And then from double eights sometimes, and, a, and definitely above that, I have a 10 foot Thorn Brothers extra heavy and um i've actually after using it as much as i have on um, the second half of the year this year 
Um, I even find myself grabbing that for some of the smaller bucktails, even though it is a little bit too much rod for those smaller blades. But mm-hmm. I would say between the nine foot heavy for the smaller half of the bucktails and then a 10 foot extra heavy for the larger half of bucktails. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, pretty much majority of the year I was running a nine, six heavy uh, legend tournament. And that thing was pretty awesome. It's a heavy and it, it, it could handle double tens just fine that I found. Um, if you started using something, anything bigger or a double tens that were extra heavy or maybe like a spanky double ten or something like that, that was, you know, heavy wire and blades, uh, like a, going to an X heavy definitely seemed to be better because you want to be able to get wide eights and not have your, you know, whole tip of the rod flexing like crazy from a big blade. It's just more work on your body and throughout the course of a day doing countless figure eights, that's just more, more unnecessary fatigue. So definitely tools for the job for sure. Yeah, definitely the, the 10 foot seems to be pretty, you know, pretty darn good for big blades. And if you're, you know, and it, and it also helps you're, you're up in a fiberglass boat now more a little bit. So I've noticed, I remember fishing out of your Triton. I was just like a little bit higher up than what I was used to. So what I was, when I was using like a nine or nine, six, it even felt like I could have used a little more rod in hand. Yeah. And you know, and I guess I just want to, you know, comment for anybody listening that, you know, can't necessarily afford some of these rods or something. And, you know, you're, you can't hit, um, maybe you have a hard time hauling, longer rods or something in your boat or vehicle or whatever you can get your hands on. You asked me this question five years ago or 10 years ago. I remember when an eight foot heavy rod first came out and that thing was the cats, you know, what for, you know, catching fish and was just absolutely incredible. And, Mm -hmm. um, you can catch fish on, you know, anything, you know, that whatever you have at your disposal, the longer, seems to be the better for, you know, better figure eights, better leverage hookups and stuff. Um, but man, we caught a pile of fish on eight foot, eight and a half foot rods before we could even get our hands on these longer rods. It's just, I guess, you know, stupid musky fishermen like me just got to buy the latest and greatest and keep mm. getting bigger, better, you know, <clears throat> and <clears throat> I'll spend whatever, you know, to try something new. And, uh, um, if that's not in the budget, I wouldn't let it deter you or get upset because man, I, I caught all kinds of fish on shorter rods before, before these longer ones were available to me. Okay. You brought up something interesting. Cause I've been I'm curious about this. When you were throwing that eight foot, uh, did you ever think that you'd ever be throwing a 10 foot rod? No, no. <laughs> when I first got my first eight footer, I was like this, there's no way they're ever going to make a longer rod. This thing is so much bigger and badder than a seven and a half footer or seven, four or whatever. I was like, why in the world would anybody get anything bigger than that? And then (laughs) even when they came out with an eight and a half footer, I was like, that's just dumb. Like that's too long. People aren't (laughs) going to use that. That's going to fade into oblivion. It'll be hot for a couple months. And then everyone's gonna be like, well, that's way too much rod. We're going back to the eight footers until I got one of myself and then was quickly converted. But yeah. (laughs) I, I usually am stubborn to some of these longer rods to begin with. And I got to watch other people use them before I think about trying it myself. 
that's how I am with a 10 footer. I'm just like, ah, it's too much rod. It's got to get in the way or something. And probably going to have an 11 footer next year. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that was going to be my follow up question is like, do, you know, where does it go from here? Does it go anywhere? I mean, if we tap, have we maxed out on the length of rods for musky <laughs> fishing? Like, does it become to, does it come to a point of diminishing returns where, okay, we don't need to go to a 10 six or, an 11 foot rod because like we're not shark fishing and you know you are still, halfway in your cast still trying to enjoy the fight i mean i was throwing jack's 10 foot thorn bros over bender weekend a few weeks back and like i you know under the under the right circumstances and right lure choice i could see how it would be dominant and it'd be a great tool but god man that thing is it's just just a lot it just you know it changes everything from mechanics of how you're working baits and just a long ways away from you know your real handle the tip of that rod just so yeah i don't there, i don't know there aren't many <clears throat> in my opinion there aren't many uses for a rod 10 foot and above besides maybe bucktails i mean i have a 10 foot extra extra heavy for big rubber but you can't pop it like you can a shorter rod um if you you know so i would never use that in the summertime when i'm really blasting rubber you know through the weeds or anything just because you can't get that action the rod's too long yeah and i'm fairly short at coming in at a whopping five foot nine sometimes sometimes the uh 10 foot rod is even a little bit much for me um for figure eights you know now it's better now that i have a taller boat actually because i'm a little further out of the water but um, in the back of my bass boat, when I'm really close to the water, you know, or even the front, I thought that the 10 foot was a little bit too much rod for me being as short as I am. Um, I just going down in the figure eight, I couldn't keep my rod up high enough at times when we're fishing ultra shallow and, um, found it to be a little bit of an inconvenience, but hmm. so I'm pretty much stuck at the 10 foot. I don't think I'm even going to, I might try somebody's a little bit longer, but I don't um, foresee the need for it. I haven't had a fish come in on a figure eight that I haven't been able to swing wide enough that it could turn on it and continue chasing it, you know, where I'm worried about cutting a fish off. Yeah. Well, I agree. I think we've feel like we've probably hit that max on equipment. I mean, obviously they'll probably tweak stuff and, you know, make it better. It's like the golf industry. It's like throw a new paint job on it. Say it's a little bit lighter, say, you know, it's, you're going to get more whatever out of the rod, but yeah, I just, it's, it feels like a long shot that there's going to be this like revolutionary new thing in the rod and reel combo to come out in the next few years. But again, I could be completely wrong. I I don't know what would be next. Um, that would go from, I think the only way you could really have anything is like real assistance or something, which at that point I'm, you know, adjustable gear ratio. Yeah maybe something of that oh, nature wow. something more to break <laughs> brian just Seriously. came up with a million dollar idea <laughs> you better trademark that real quick yeah <laughs> well uh before we get too lost in the sauce here kyle kramer got another one and he's asking our go-to trolling bait for phyllis county lakes um <laughs> i think i'm just gonna go with the depth raider because that thing is an all-around spring and fall uh, trolling beast for me. I don't do a lot of trolling in the summer, but spring and fall, typically trolling a little bit slower, and those jointed 
depth raiders seem to really shine at slower speed. Regular or baby? If I had to choose one, ooh. Would you say baby in the spring? Because baby regular in the fall. Yeah. And I say that because I would, I mean, I my first two thoughts in my head were 22 short or 22 long. They're and right. I don't, you know, if I had to break them up between the two. I think if but I had they, to use only one for spring and fall, I'd honestly say maybe the baby. I haven't really run it at all this fall, but I feel like on the days like the larger one gets hit, the baby depth raider probably could get hit too. Just yeah. As easily. I, yeah, that's a tough. I'm going to have to say just a 22 long. Um, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Right now. Though it hasn't been great lately. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, those are nice. Those are really cool looking baits, though. Those guys do a good job, and yeah, obviously the the depth raiders pretty pretty classic. There's probably not too many muskies in Vilas County that haven't seen a depth raider at this point. But I still eat them. Still get. Still eat them. <laughs> I mean, we got a you know one of the listeners uh, who we'll we'll talk about a little later on here. They sent me a picture of you know depth raider big fish. It still works. Yeah, just tales old as time up here. That's for sure. Yep. All right, I think that's it from the Q and A from the users. So, just want to thank all of the uh, people out there that sent in the questions. Thank you very much. I uh, really enjoyed talking through those, especially having you, Clayton, on, getting some input and insight into some of those. Uh, I definitely learned a few things tonight, for sure. You know, especially with that late fall egg weight with the female muskies that was just something that maybe i never read about or i overlooked or one you know just went over my head or something but that's definitely definitely the the case and why those those fish get extra extra fat like very very quickly from it seems like september to november yeah all right well let's uh let's transition to a little quick close here and uh before we get into some of the housekeeping items i do want to Shout out our uh, few listeners. We had uh, our buddy uh, Dwayne Wedler Jr. Uh, right into the podcast, and his guy, our guy, uh, Kyle Scruggs, got engaged this weekend rocking the Muskies hey, on tap hoodie. Shout out. <laughs> shout out. So shout out. Congrats to him. They bagged a, a mid-40s super tanker and got engaged uh you know kyle got engaged all in the same looks like weekend i'm sure they partied pretty good uh but it was pretty sweet to see uh see him rocking the muskies on tap sweatshirt getting the knee dirty so <laughs> love to see that um had some buddies from denver send me a a selfie of them they just got their sweatshirts in they were both rocking them tonight watching the football game so the uh Mott the Mott crew hoodies have made it all the way out to Colorado, which we love to we love to hear. Um, so yeah, I you know Gus, we probably got still got a few left from what it sounds like, but uh I think they're they're kind of getting between a uh, few and far between is for what what's left. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a few uh sizes that are out of stock. Um and, and the gray, I know there's a little more out of stock in the gray hoodie. And still, uh, still some pint glasses left. If you want to get your hands on those, you know, as for the storefront future on the merch, you know, there's definitely something in the works here of maybe doing potentially like a smaller icon logo. 
Um, I'm also working on a logo uh, myself as well for Suggs Fishing. Getting that in the works. Maybe some new brims. Mm, I, I, mm. I think that would be pretty good. I was also thinking of sun hoodies. Um, oh, summer, like yeah. summer flex with the hoods. <laughs> That's Damn. what we need. Now you're talking. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You guys need some uh, team jerseys for PMTT next year. We do. That'd be legit. Yeah. Put yeah. your names on the back. Yeah. I know you got one, don't you? You have one that you got the the name on the back. Well, that was mm. from the tournament, though, right? Uh, that that hoodie, that sweatshirt yeah. I got from that tournament. Yeah, but I think we're gonna have we're actually gonna have some shirts made this year and get our sponsors on there and stuff because for you and Hammer, they yeah, they make it happen for us. Yeah, man, that's uh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, looking forward to another season. That video that you put out, a little hype video. Um, before we sign off here, I, I kind of wanted to ask you what's, uh, what's in the works for your YouTube channel, uh, coming up here. Cause it, the, you can tell the people, I guess that I don't need to, what you just released seemed like kind of a hype, hype video for the PMTT stuff. So what's the, what's the plan on what you're going to do for video stuff this, uh, winter? Yeah, that was just going to be like a little preview to each. Uh, so I have, we got enough footage this year for. Uh, video for each individual qualifier and the championship, which is pretty sweet. This will be the first time we've been able, I will be able to break it up um, into individual ones, but I just kind of threw together a quick little hype thing just to kind of get pumped up about it. And based on my time, I want to get something on YouTube. It's been a while. Um, so we got that. I do have a lot of, a lot of stuff to go through this year. Um, was a good year. Obviously I was on the water a lot more with guiding and stuff. So we got some guiding footage, um, Canada. I'm going to break that down. We had an epic Canada trip this year. We got 27 muskies in a week in our boat and all but eight were over 45. Jeez. God damn. <clears throat> um, should make so, a decent video. Oh man. I got, I am so <laughs> excited to go through that stuff. And, uh, I'll, we'll be able to do an episode a day. It'll be like, kind of like a Doug Wagner week on the woods. Don't want to steal that from him, but, um, we'll be able to get something together for every day that we were up there. Cause we were first time ever. We were able to catch a fish every single day we were there. So that was pretty epic. Really? Where um, can people find that, uh, this winter when you start putting it out? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'll be putting it like the links on my Facebook page for myself, Clayton Spies, and this will do outdoor adventures, um, have a Facebook page. And then my Instagram, um, has a link and I'll throw up like a picture, or a little clip or something. Um, every time I release a video on my personal Instagram page, Clayton Spies, and then my YouTube channel is, uh, this will do outdoor adventures. I think you could find it under my name as well. Um, yeah. And I'm not like trying to go big or anything with it. All I'm doing like these videos aren't anything professional by any means. It's just kind of showing my friends and family, you know, what we, some of the action and memories for me to make it easier for me to remember as I get older, you know, I start forgetting <laughs> stuff. <laughs> so, oh, so that's yeah, awesome. just, just something to keep me busy. And then the long nights of winter up here, you know? 
Yeah, we're getting, we're approaching it. Uh, it's definitely right, right around the corner. I mean, yeah, I mean, I like the the footage you guys have from like the head mounts was definitely inspiring to Gus and I to do that more during the PMTT stuff. Just with, you know, I think we have a lot of good footage from our PMTT uh, this year, but that head mount is certainly just such a game changer with like actually getting a, you know, point of view type shot on what's going on you can probably feel and look you know see i guess the intensity of it a little bit better you know up close um yeah. especially after gus and i's mishap with our last fish uh in the championship where the the whole camera mount came off so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't want that to happen again i don't want to take down the whole thing next time yeah that's true um so yeah we we invested in those uh ben stone kind of got us pointed in the right direction and we've already seen it pay off huge dividends with some really cool footage. So, um, yeah, I've seen some of your stuff already. It, uh, definitely an improvement in my opinion. I, I just love the view of a head camera. If you can handle the headache and it pushing down on, you know, on your nose and when you're wearing sunglasses and stuff, I mean, it can be quite uncomfortable, but man, the footage you get from it is just second to none in my opinion. I mean, yeah, thanks for inspiring us. And yeah, shout out to Ben Stone again. I, I think we pretty much ordered that as soon as we got done doing the podcast <laughs> with him. Uh, it was just all like brought together. We're just like, all right, we need to do this. I remember you said like at the end of that pod, you're like, yeah, I'm going on Amazon tonight. <laughs> I did. I think you were on it already during the pod. You said you're like, I'm looking yeah. it up right now. I think yeah. <laughs> we're going to purchase this. <laughs> so guys, I mean, the next time we get on it'll be after our last send together as a as a podcast um hopefully clayton is around the next few weekends and we're able to get out on the water with him as well but um kind of just talking about what we got going on i mean what's uh what's the excitement what's the plan are we gonna do some filming gus what what are you thinking brian yeah oh yeah i mean we got b-roll god we got head cams we pretty much have mm-hmm. a banger vid already in the making. Yeah. So, I yeah. just need to catch the fish. Those yeah. words have never been said before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which ones? B-roll God? I think. No, that? just <laughs> putting sure. together a video. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, we'll, 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 we'll buckle it down this weekend and catch a fish, a couple fish, few fish, and we'll get a video out there. Well, that leads me to my next point, Brian, because you knew it was coming what's uh what's your expectations this weekend what's vegas setting the line at for amount of fish caught and biggest mm. we have yet to go two for two on this so yeah you, we've pretty much i think we've split every single time it's either been under the amount of fish or over the amount of fish yeah. or under the, the biggest or, or over it i, so I think we, i'm yeah. gonna set the over betters up for success here one and a half is the line and over <laughs> under 44. I remember the lakes for fishing. I like the size limit. <laughs> Boy, oh, you want you'll... me to do 0.5? Come on. I got more confidence <laughs> than that. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Thank you, Vegas. Thank you. Give me the first parlay of those. Give me first 2-0 and sweep. <laughs> All right. So, Brian, what? So are we, we going after the trophy, it sounds like, then? Just hitting some big, big boy water? Yeah, I'm game for that. After our last musky bender, I was like, you know, if we're going to struggle with these little fish, so let's just get on big, 
big water, big fish water, and just grind it out. Especially, especially with the monster swimming dog. I'm all <laughs> in for that. We're going to have you hucking yeah. that thing around the whole time. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing it. All right. Well, well, uh, you guys will have to tune in next week to kind of hear how uh, this weekend goes. We'll we'll be swinging for the fences. We'll probably be throwing some stories up and stuff on the Instagram. So if you haven't checked that out, um, please do. Uh, you get some good uh, get some, some good content. New boot goofing videos. New boot channel. goofing videos. <laughs> it's got everything you need. Um, so yeah, looking forward to getting out on the water. I've been kind of going stir crazy here in the cities uh so looking forward to getting outside looking forward to get on the boat with you fools should be fun oh yeah looking forward to it as well and uh while we wrap this up i just want to say thank you clayton for coming on the podcast being your uh third time basically a residential guest and i know we'll be having you again shortly for sure right after the season's done which is kind of coming to a close here (laughs) probably looking like the last two or so weeks you know, hopefully we can get past Thanksgiving, but we will see. So thank you for coming on, Clayton. Yeah, definitely. Thanks again for having me. I enjoy talking muskies anytime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, Gus, you well, let's let's real quick, Clayton, you plugged your uh your YouTube stuff. Um, and it sounds like it, it kind of runs in parallel with your guide business, but uh for Anybody looking for booking 2024 stuff? Have you kind of opened that up yet? Or are you waiting for the PMTT schedule to fully come out? Yeah, I, I'm, I've taken a couple bookings already for next year. Um, kind of just if people are wanting to go around those times that the PMTT usually is, I'm kind of saying, hey, don't book your, you know, if you're coming up on a certain weekend, I can't guarantee it yet, you know, try and keep things in limbo and I'll let them know as soon as possible. But, um, I haven't had any yet that weren't flexible or anything to where I could book around them, but you can get a hold of me. Uh, my phone 715-891-1046, um, or find me on Facebook or Instagram and shoot me a message or something. So. Perfect. Speaking of the PMTT real quick, uh, before Gus gives out his info, just uh, want your gut reaction. Championship in Eagle River next year. What are your thoughts? Dude, gotta dude. get there first. But what's uh, what's your it's, thoughts on that? It, you know, um, if we get there, I think it's gonna be super fun. Um, you know, low number of boats, thirty to fifty boats or whatever. Um, Eagle River only. That's uh, prime time. It's gonna be a shootout unless something crazy with weather or something happens um it should be a numbers big time numbers thing for even with that small amount of boats um those guys that are going to make it there will probably you know have enough knowledge they'll be able to find some fish i think i wouldn't be surprised if every boat you know can find their way into the final day you know that wouldn't surprise me it could be that good but we'll see i mean i it's Chip obviously killed it this year. I mean, we got some good weather and the fish were eating for vast majority of the people. Um, but yeah, man, I, that time of year on the Eagle river chain can be really lights out. And with that amount of good sticks on the water, I'll be 
various very curious they might have to bump the size limit up to like 34 or something because <laughs> that's gonna be nutty on how many fish i feel like are gonna be caught uh that weekend yeah yeah as long as i think uh well it was supposed to be like wounded warriors that weekend i think scott samuels is gonna move that to uh accommodate for the championship which is kind of nice so um you know i would hate to be pulling fish in front of uh in front of any vets out there. Um, and not to mention, I've been asked to do it before too. So if I could actually maybe take a vet out, that would be pretty incredible. Um, yeah. and wanting to do that, but we're always in the championship. Shucks. Casual flex. No, except for last year, last year we didn't make it. So I can't say that every time, but yeah. Well, let's hope we can, uh, keep that going next year. I'm sure we'll, we'll, uh, We'll talk about that at uh, probably a nauseating extent over the winter and over next year. So we'll, uh, oh, we'll cap sure. that for tonight. Uh, we still have to do our full uh, PMTT recap with everybody. Get Jeremy and Trevor on here this winter. Oh, yeah. Uh, so if anyone's, you know, looking for some more tournament fishing content, that should be a very fun, uh, fun night. <laughs> That'll be an entertaining one for sure. I'm <laughs> yeah. leaving that one unedited. <laughs> no with, with boy that's the only way to do it danger danger <laughs> no i mean i'll chop it up a little bit but i'll put a, war- I'll put a warning out <laughs> in advance good stuff all right gus you want to send us away here with some details and then um i guess yeah. let brian for the final final yep brian will take the final final but uh before we sign off here uh you can find any of the mott hoodies and stuff and all of my guiding info at www.sugsfishing.com s-u-g-s fishing and i'm also as sugs fishing on instagram and sugs fishing guide service on facebook um then same with just looking up my name for uh for uh facebook as well and uh phone number is 920-264-3816 if uh you're hearing this in time and I don't have them maybe booked. Uh, I, I will have uh, just a few days open just with since the weather is keeping all these lakes open. Um, have a few days open the uh, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday uh, leading up to Thanksgiving if, uh, if anyone's looking to book. So those are the last open days. Otherwise, potentially just this morning was the uh, final guide trip of the year for myself. And uh, I think I'm just like Clayton, kind of waiting for the PMTT full schedule until I, you know, announce when I'm going to start actually calendar date booking for uh, 2024. So just be, stay tuned for that. And uh, also, yeah, with the cool head cam mounts, starting to get already some pretty cool footage this fall. And uh, I'm actually really excited to get out some of that footage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Although, although... (laughs) I'm serious about it this time. This, I know. This winter, I'm for sure serious. There's a lot lot more time at hand with the limited daylight hours anyways. So I'm already starting to upload a lot more, and I think I've already posted uh, a trolling fish. So got more to come for there. So uh, with that being said, Brian, want to take us away here? All right, everybody. Thank you again for listening to this episode. Shout out to Clayton. Thank you for being so generous with your time tonight on this late Monday evening. 
Gentlemen, the end of the season is upon us. One more big swing at it. Throwing the deep ball. Hail Mary as time expires. Hopefully that means big fish. And it will mean a sick video for everybody to watch. Hopefully that following week, guys. And stay tuned for that. Good luck to everybody else this weekend. Peace.